Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Revival and Jesus' Way podcast. I'm Tim, and I have with me uh, my wife, Anne. This is, again, the Revival and Jesus' Way uh, podcast. Um, and what is Jesus' Way? It's disciple-making. Right now, we're in the middle of a cliche series. We've had uh, one cliche episode so far, and I think um, it went pretty well. Now, um, we're... Uh, going to go into our second cliche. The first cliche that we went over was pastor is the shepherd, the people are the sheep. And we talked about how um, even though this cliche um, is accurate to somewhat of what the church is supposed to be, and you can really see this kind of um, sheep and shepherd idea in some of the pastoral epistles and some of what Jesus has said, but then it's only meant to be a small part of the whole. And that actually going on to maturity is the whole. And so actually the pastor and being the shepherd, people being the sheep, this cliche, this image eventually breaks down because sheep would never become like the shepherd. They would always stay to be sheep. But then Jesus expects us to become like him, uh, to become more and more like him. It, It breaks down the whole analogy. And so we have to think wider and bigger than that. Today, uh, the cliche that I'm going to introduce, that we will introduce, is um, everything is disciple-making. Now, um, this cliche, the way we kind of uh, usually hear it is if we're talking about um, disciple-making or sometimes even evangelism or just work in the kingdom in general, there's kind of a breakdown in the way that people will talk about it. If a pastor is preaching about maybe spiritual gifts, about the mission, um, they'll begin with presenting the mission, but then we'll kind of break down into saying, well, everything is part of that, though. Like Susie, who bakes cakes for the church, um, that she is also doing disciple making because what she's doing is drawing people into the church. And then eventually they can hear the message and get saved. Or um, the guy who sets up the chairs before church is also doing disciple making because he's bringing it out, and otherwise where would people sit when they listen to the gospel presentation by the pastor, and all these things, and they're equipped to do them by God, and there's this kind of breakdown of everything ends up being discipleship, so that it's kind of, no matter what you're doing, as long as you're not dead, you're doing something, um, you are participating in disciple making, and so it kind of... Well, as long as you do it in a church setting. Mm-hmm, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Um so everyone, Anne, and uh, I just jump in. Uh, so what what we have been um, discussing, those topics uh, in our daily conversation, we talk about those and we talk about Bible um, and God all the time, especially weekends. Uh, we really enjoy our weekends, we, uh, weekend morning brunch or something. Um, we just share with each other our quiet time, what God has revealed to us, and so we just decide to actually we decide to make this podcast to to kind of bring those uh, daily conversation and what got revealed to us to public. So and I'm Chinese and um, I live in China for uh, 20, 26 years before I moved to America. So I'm really passionate about today's topic. So Tim, what kind of uh, what kind of impact of this this cliche? Um, have in our modern churches? Mm, That's a great question. So this cliche about um, everything being disciple-making, the impact is it kind of levels out any passion for really doing the things that 
in Scripture, it talks about our disciple-making. When we see, for instance, Jesus sends out the 12 or he sends out the 70 throughout the, in the, the different Gospels, he's, he sends them to do specific things. Um, but then when we say kind of everything is disciple-making, then it, it kind of lets you kind of feel off the hook. You don't feel like you need to do those things. You feel like, well, if what I'm doing right now, I'll, I, I come in a little bit earlier and do the chairs, I don't really have like a long-term growth plan. I don't have to think about how I can get to the next point. Um, it kind of it kind of gives you that alleviated feeling that, well, I'm already there, so why should I go on? Yeah, and in, in church, um, I like to talk to people just you simply use Jesus' word. Matthew 28, 19 to 20 is the scripture we always like to use because it's it's very simple. It's like for me, a uh, housewife, I look at the, uh, those two verses as uh, recipes. How do we look at recipes is we pay attention to those uh, verbs. So let's see what, what verb is, verbs are there. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So it's something you go and find someone and you make them into a disciple. So kind of like uh, think about how many steps you make an infant or a baby to into college and uh, make them into a professor. Sort of like that, like thousands of steps, right? So you make some someone into disciples and then uh, there are specific methods. It says to to baptize and to teach them, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe, or some translation, uh, I'm reading the ESV, some translation say to obey. And then the content is, all that I have commanded you. So you can see there is, there is a list. I know oftentimes when our, maybe read uh, Western Christians, when they hear all the things, then it's like you just dismiss it. But then all the all the thing here doesn't mean a endless thing because Jesus, you know, God is not evil. God wouldn't like uh, give you something which is impossible for you to complete. So it's like so it's like there is a certain list. If you look at um, the four gospels, right? They, if it's endless, I mean, Jesus need to stay on earth for three hundred years, right? Still, it's endless. But if you pick up those like key Things like uh, pray and uh, yeah, pray is a big one. And then the words baptism. There are things like um, love and obey. You know, those key topics that you not only teach them but teach them to obey. So that's why sometimes even uh, even a disciple making class, like see ten week disciple making class, that doesn't accomplish this task is because you need to see the effect is people obey and then eventually grow to uh, maturity and they can reproduce others who are like Jesus. So it's it's actually very clear from these two verses and what is disciple making? What is the, the picture? And also, I like to say that in the end, when Jesus say like, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I like to tell people that this is like encouragement. But it's also like um, kind of a warning. If if you don't walk in this way, it's very difficult for Jesus to be with you because this is the way of the kingdom. This is the way of God realizing this kingdom. It's the same mission as Jesus uh, was doing in the earth. And then he said, you guys will do greater things. So if you, you don't choose to join him 
it's very difficult for you to experience even God with you because you kind of choose another way. So. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a great point too at the end uh, where you said that it's actually a um, way that you're not experiencing the fullness of the kingdom. It's actually taking people out of being able to experience everything that God has for us. When when you kind of belittle what disciple making is and we make it seem like it's just those, it's pretty much anything you do. Hey, don't feel bad. You're doing disciple making and whatever you do, you're fine and you're already kind of doing enough. Then we kind of restrict people's ability in a way to be able to participate in the kingdom the way Jesus did. And I do, I think the example of Jesus sending out these 70 is one good example. And, and Jesus spent time training them. And then Luke chapter 10, it says, um, whatever city you enter, um, when they receive you, eat what is said before you. And he said, and heal those who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come to you. And then um, if we go back to chapter 9, whenever he sent out the 12, he sent them out and said to drive out all demons, to, to uh, cure diseases. He sent th- and he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Um, so Jesus, we see this pattern of Jesus sending out the disciples, training them, building them up to do the very same things he was doing. Because that's what Jesus was doing. He was going from town to town. He was healing the sick. He was curing diseases, and he was proclaiming the kingdom of God. And then those people that he had trained, he sent those each of them out. And it said that he called them out two by two so that each person was going out. Each person was having to go and do this. Each person was having to participate. It wasn't that they were all went out as a group, and then each of them had a different role, and eventually they were supposed to accomplish it. No, it was that they all were called to that. And another real quick thing um, that stands out to me, um, like Anne had mentioned, we always talk about Matthew 28, 19, and 20, and how clear Great Commission is. But then also Jesus' uh, prayer for the disciples in John 17. If you just read through that and you see um, all the times he says, um, the the glory which I have um, also went for them. The amount of times he's, he's talking about the the things that you've given me, um, also give to these disciples. Um, he's talking about the mission that he's sent on. He says, you sent me into the world, talking to the Father. I have sent them in the world. So just in that same way, he's saying, I have sent them into the world. And then he's praying for the Father to sanctify them, to be with them, to be beside them as they're going out into the world. Um, and then that is kind of the beauty of it, the the glory and all those things tied up and each each of these people he's praying for going out and on the same mission as Jesus and being blessed with the same blessings that he has in order to do the mission. And then the wonderful thing there too is he said this is I don't do not ask on behalf of these alone but also for those who believe in me through their word. So this is a promise not just for the disciples but it's also for a promise for every person who would believe in the truth through the gospel that the disciples were sharing also. Yeah, so it means like those people, the uh, the initial disciples, he prayed for people who come after uh, into the mission because those initial disciples are faithfully pursuing disciple making. So it's like their second, third, fourth generations. 
of people that Jesus prayed for all of them that each each generation should carry on this mission. Mm. So since it's so obvious that um, it's it's easy to understand those actually great commission related verses, and because God desired to make His truths plain and clear to people who are willing to listen, since it's so clear, why do you think this um, cliche? This uh, disciple-making cliche or church cliche so prevail in nowadays church. Mm. Like even uh, kind of like every Sunday we can hear, um, if we get into that topic, we can hear from many people. Mm. I I think part of it is probably a lot of the culture today. Uh, We don't want to um, kind of be told what to do. There's a lot of talk about positive thinking and those things. So I think there's something there that I think leaders at the church a lot of times feel like um, don't put people down. Don't don't put people in a position where they feel bad about their current position. Like so, don't uh, offend people. Yeah, don't offend um, them. Don't push them away. Don't make them feel ashamed of themselves in any way. And so kind of like present this kind of lighter version. And what if we offend people and then the next Sunday we find out nobody... Um, health cleaning and nobody mm. <laughs> you know mm. and that's clearly not what what we mean but when people are mad they can do anything to take this revenge mm. i will let you taste how uh the situation will be when there is no people do the cleaning no be people cooking mm. so um I think that's one. And also, uh, Western culture teach us uh, other people's things is other people's business. Mm. So even in, in church, it's so uh, prevail. I, I w- well, I would say a lot of Eastern cultures is uh, opposite, but I'm not saying that that's biblical because sometimes people enter into the other people's life too far and also not with good intention so mm. that i mean that's another not another episode maybe mm, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um and also for the people himself sometimes people try to avoid responsibility just like we we always use this example to to joke about this um uh, a mother ask a kid to wash dishes tonight it's your turn to wash dishes and after a while the mother comes down and find out her son did not wash the dishes and then she she asked him and he said what did you what did you say uh i i didn't i didn't hear oh wow and then but some kids can uh can go even smarter maybe they would say like oh wow how do you define washing dishes do you mean I just uh, run the run the water run them through water, or um, do do you mean I just need to wash my dishes? Do you mean I need to wash it today this hour? I mean they can have lots of interpretations. This sounds such a uh, like absurd joke, but that's some that's something like um, in our nowadays church people want to def- redefine so many things in Bible, so people can run away from uh, responsibilities. And and we all know, and the mother know that he he gets it. Wash dishes, but they don't want to. They want to. Uh, uh, I mean, the son wants to play games or something, you know. Well, in in some families, the kid will get beaten. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's uh, the it's the difficulty seemingness of 
of disciple making sometimes can cause people to take those easy answers themselves and say, well, I just want to try to do this, or I just want to try to do that, or, you know, scripture is so hard to understand. You're hearing these different cliches come out, and I think that's a good um, kind of like justification or a good good way to point out, like, actually, a lot of these cliches, like, they mount up. They actually build up and um, kind of form a wall against kind of the plain understanding of Scripture and kind of just following after what Jesus did. You know, there's this kind of uh, wall can build up of excuses and reasons about why when, from what we've seen and just, like, the people who have helped us and mentored us and just reading in Scripture that the truth actually is pretty easy once you break down some of your own kind of walls and and barriers that cause that distance between us and Jesus' message. Mm. And so what really um, motivated you to to share this message to current church members? Because we could, you know, we we could uh, avoid all the... um, offenses, uh, offending other opportunities. Uh, We can just uh, share gospel with someone and help someone to become new Christians and help them to grow. And uh, usually in that way, we meet much, much less opposition and and difficult time, you know. So what what, what motivated you? Yeah, so I think the, the main motivation and the motivation for these cliche talks in general is to try to give a in some ways more non-offensive way through the podcast to help people to examine the thinking behind some of these things like today like disciple making is everything to to help people to challenge that thought to break it down and say well actually when you look at the scriptural evidence and those things that's not really true and then to begin to examine anew what is the biblical concept i think that's what we we want people to, to look at and say, what is Jesus's concept of disciple making? You know, what what is, again, like open up the question in a way, like where there was a cliche explanation in our minds before, break down the kind of wrong explanation. And then now we're open for a, a the right explanation. And I'm not saying find the right explanation on this podcast. I'm saying go into the scriptures yourself, you know. Look in John 17, for instance. These are some places where you can look. Like Ann said, look in, like you said, Ann, look in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 and see what is Jesus saying for disciple making? What does he, what does he call discipleship? And just ask yourself that question and look at the passage. Um, you know, look at, look at these different verses, read scripture, and really challenge yourself with what, what is the answer? So that's what I'm kind of hoping. I think that we kind of hope people will, will get out of this is that they will take away the wrong definition that may be that may have a cliche kind of holding that spot in our minds and then that's gone to redefine according to the truth Mm -hmm. and and for me the big motivation is love that um, satan tried to deceive deceive the church that everybody just mind your own business Mm. And one verse uh, motivate me because believe or not, each time actually before I share with a a church member, especially someone who's much older than me, I I am scared. Hmm. I I don't want to because sometimes like uh, what they do in church, someone sometimes see that's all they have. And that's like their identity is like you shake that to the bottom, you 
you know they <laughs> mm. so so I know the effect that like I, I'm not socially unaware of those things. So Paul in his letter, First um, Thessalonians two nineteen, actually, he said the reason he he tried to write this letter and actually uh, help them to grow and encourage them, plead them to grow, is because the First uh, Corinthians two nineteen it says, "For what is our hope or joy or crown?" of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming. Is it not you? Mm -hmm. uh, verse 20 said, For you are our glory and joy. So, and then in, in the context, he mentioned about, uh, he has the, uh, you can go to uh, investigate by yourself, but he, mm -hmm. he talked about the danger of losing those fruit, mm -hmm. losing those fruit when he can, have in his hand to see Jesus. Mm -hmm. That when he see Jesus, he wouldn't be uh, empty-handed. So th there was. It's not like everything is fruit. Mm -hmm. um, in in the uh, the we can say kind of the sub cliches. Everything is the fruit. But when you see Jesus, only those people come out of you who are mature disciples who can stand firm in front of Jesus when he's coming. Um, and through all circum uh, circumstances, through all persecutions, those sufferings, and they still stand firm in truth. They are your fruit and the crown, the joy, and the hope. Mm. You know, so that's something really motivate me. Like it brings me to tears that to think about that almost the majority of the, of um, church members nowadays will have a big aha moment will have a big I mean a sad aha moment a surprise moment to find out they don't have fruit almost like very little fruit or almost no fruit when they see Jesus and those things they need to know now on earth so that people can realize that and and begin to because Jesus gave every one of us the reproducing power for him and and that's something motivate me. So oftentimes I need to rehearse in my mind one more time before I step up to talk to someone. And by the way, bo both of us are introverts. That mm. <laughs> that you you might not realize that, but both of us are introverts. So we we need to have those inner talk in us to talk to think about what is the significance. And then we kind of push ourselves out to to talk to the other person. Mm. Okay, so to summarize today's talk, uh, we talked about the common cliche that disciple making is everything that it tends to be presented like, oh, whatever you're doing, if it's cooking for the church, if it's you're cleaning up afterwards, whatever you're teaching doing, Sunday school. yeah, if you're teaching even teaching Sunday school, doing this or that, that you are doing disciple making. Um, but then uh, we pointed out that actually in scripture. Um, there's a very clear idea of what is disciple making. And um, I also want to point out that it's not that these other things aren't important. Um, like uh, Anne and I had talked before, you know, about like in Leviticus, you, you have um, the man who's blessed to by the Holy Spirit to be able to build the temple and do these fine arts and those things. And actually God blessed him to be able to participate in what God was doing through the temple at that time by, by building it. And that's a wonderful thing. It's just that when disciple-making itself is described, it describes some very specific things. I, I really like the way you described Matthew, you summarized Matthew 28 
And can you give that summary real quick? Yeah, so I have um, three key points of Matthew 28, 19 to 20 to help you to grasp the main points. So number one is teach to obey. So this is a training. So if you just teach and someone doesn't have the effect of obey, um, the goal is still not achieved. Just like uh, parents teach kids to brush teeth, some kids maybe need to be taught for 100 times, but parents usually will still teach because uh, the kids have to grow, have to be mature, and this is such a natural thing. So disciple making is like that. So you, you help someone to, to pray or have uh, teach someone to have a, a daily time with God, you need to make sure he has that effect. So maybe you follow up just on that training subject for three or six months. And the second point is um, everything. So it, it includes all the things Jesus has commanded and which, which is recorded in the New Testament. So you have to go through everything. It, it wouldn't be like if, uh, to, to help the kids, uh, kids from grow from infant to uh, college. You can, a parent cannot say just like, oh, I, I, once I taught him to brush his teeth. It's like thousands and hundreds of training subjects, right? To, it's, uh, it's a holistic list, but that doesn't mean it's, an, it's endless. Uh, the third word is everyone. So everyone is everyone who follow Jesus is um, called to disciple making. So when Jesus gave this, he gathered all of his followers to 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 give them this command. It's not like oh, some of you among someone among you who maybe are not so busy, who are not called to cook and <laughs> do other things. It's everybody, right? So there's three points: um, teach to obey everything and everyone. Hmm. Yeah. Teach to obey everything and for everyone. That's a great summary of Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, and twenty, and how specific it is on on Jesus's definition to all of the disciples of what disciple making is. So uh, next Saturday we will be having another cliche talk. So uh, tune in for that. Uh, go ahead, and if you've enjoyed the podcast today, go ahead and subscribe so that you get an in, a notification. Uh, when the next one is posted, um, we'll be talking about continuing in this cliche series. And uh, let's go ahead and pray us out. Father, I thank you so much for the people who have listened today and for the opportunity to help others to to grow a little bit more and challenging uh, maybe old perspectives and, and, and looking anew at what your word and what you say about disciple making is. Lord, I thank you that you invite us into the kingdom. You invite us into your kingdom work um, as Christians. You invite us into what you're doing, Lord. Um, I thank you that you uh, have made these things clear through your scriptures so that we can begin to participate, so we can grow and we can uh, find out how to pursue you more um, by looking into your word, by looking at those examples who are also walking in the footsteps that you set when you walked on the earth, Lord Jesus. And by um, continuing to walk in that direction, walk towards you, Lord, I thank you that you invite us into this work. And Lord, we just pray that you would uh, be with us this week. Um, Bless us, walk with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.